Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Ferguson Chicago, and this is our first show of 2023. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Uh, we had a good one in Chicago. It wasn't too crazy cold, and we managed to get away for a few days. So uh, I hope it was good for you wherever you are in the world. Um, our first, um, our first show of the uh, of the year is built off of a couple of things. One, I I had dinner at a friend's house here in our neighborhood a couple of uh, weeks back, and she works for Edelman. And we had this conversation about trust, and it's about trust as the ultimate metric. And we had a we had a good uh, sort of deep discussion about it. And she connected me with somebody inside the Edelman organization. And uh, to have a conversation about trust as this ultimate metric. And um, I was sort of, um, I was, I suppose, I was sort of coming at it from a a, a sort of um, dimension of skepticism because of my experience with trust as a metric in the past. As many of you know, I worked, uh, I worked for Ford Motor Company here in the U.S. Uh, on the uh, in you know working with their uh, Detroit World Headquarters, uh, working on the Ford Motor Company brand. And there was a CMO on that business. Um, who came to us and uh, talked to, uh, talked about the uh, Ford Motor Company brand as being what he labeled as the trust mark. And uh, as a strategist, I was sort of intrigued by this. And uh, his objective had always been uh, he wanted to he wanted to build trust in the brand. And as a naturally curious uh, person, as all strategists tend to be. One of my first questions was, what do you want to be trusted for? And this conversation went on for probably a year or two because there was an inability to articulate uh, what uh, what the um, motivation behind trust was for. And it really uh, threw all of us in the strategy group into a tailspin because as a metric, it, it needed to be more specific. And it wasn't, and so it led to uh, an awful lot of uh, of frustration, uh, and sort of clouded, I think, my experience working on that particular aspect of the brand. So when I uh, when I talked to my friend here in our neighborhood, I was sort of immediately skeptical and began to sort of dissect it with her about what exactly does trust mean, and that led to the conversation uh, and the interview that you're going to hear today. Um, I think at the heart of it is the idea. Obviously, Edelman has the trust barometer. It's a major brand asset for them as a as a communications firm. And understandably, they they I, I can see the idea. Well, you know, trust is a is a is a, is a space where I think corporations can relate to that. And there's there's certainly things in society today that make uh, trust as a as a sort of a KPI uh, to be a a pretty critical thing. I mean, with the, the degree of lack of trust in institutions, journalism, government, policy, uh, corporate behavior. I mean, there's just tons of it out there. Uh, but this trust uh, barometer is not a new thing for Edelman. Actually, their new, latest report is coming out January 18th of uh, of this month, uh, their 2023 or 2022 report, whichever uh, date they put on it. Um, but um, it's sort of... Um, it's 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 understandable 
that in certain circumstances, trust um, can be a KPI. But is it the ultimate KPI? And for me, I I struggle with that, and I still struggle with it. I, I think in part because I I come from a certain I, I come from a certain corner of the industry. And for me, I, I I do struggle with the idea of of how do you reconcile brand strategy and brand with uh, with trust strategy and trust. I, I'm I'm um, I, and I understand. I got a little bit of a deeper feeling about it from our conversation today, and I hope you will too. Um, I think it's an important issue, and uh, I just sort of struggle with it being the ultimate issue, as you'll hear. Uh, but I do want to thank Tom Hare. He is EVP Head of Strategy on Global Accounts at Edelman uh, here in Chicago. Uh, he is an agency guy, a traditional agency guy um, by background. He's done some really great work um, um, in uh, FCB Chicago, particularly on the Michelob Ultra uh, work the social uh, the social athlete, I think uh, was their their line that they had there, which was I thought was a great campaign, and we actually have featured it on the show. Um, so he is able to come from both sides of it the the more traditional creative strategist to to being um, uh, a sort of a broader defined strategy player that he he sort of is today. So um, excited to introduce you to Tom. Uh, also excited to start 2023 off. Uh, as uh, as you may know, we uh, we have our uh, 2023 sponsor kit on the homepage of our website. Uh, we always love to talk to new brands about becoming sponsors of the show. You can see it on our website homepage, as well as you can see all of the episodes uh, from our uh, show uh, on our website on strategyshowcase.com. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at hello at onstrategyshowcase.com. So here is our conversation about trust as the ultimate metric. I would love to hear any questions from people. Uh, you can uh, you can reach out to me, send me your comments and your thoughts uh, on our conversation. We'd love to get your feedback. Um, here it is. Here's, uh, here's Tom here. I want to welcome Tom Hare to, uh, to the show. It's good to have you, Tom. Thank you so much, Fergus. Appreciate it. And uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. So it's it's. I appreciate you being my therapist today, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> the reason we're, we're talking today is because of uh, uh, Edelman and the issue of trust. And sort of trust is being represented as sort of the the ultimate metric. I think Edelman has sort of made that their thing. They've got these these assets, the trust barometer, and it's been sort of a common theme and a, a belief, a set of beliefs that drive how you guys do business. Can you give us give us your point of view on on, on what is trust and why is it so important? So when we think about trust from a conceptual standpoint, from a philosophical standpoint, it really is a, a belief in a promise being made by a person, an organization, a company, a brand, an institution. That's the real power of the measurement, right? It's it's a belief in anticipated action and follow through. Uh, we then measure that and assess that through kind of five drivers of trust that we can dive into a little bit deeper into the show. Um, but what we can ultimately do is, is kind of make trust a very dissectable um, and, and understandable concept from a practical standpoint and from a measurement standpoint. The thing that's incredibly powerful about trust, though, and, and I think different than a lot of other brand measurement frameworks, is that it's inherently 
multi-stakeholder. What I mean by that is it's not driven just from the perspective of, of the consumer. Edelman's kind of history coming from the space of PR and reputational management um, kind of has encouraged and fostered a culture where we think about certainly the consumer, but also other key stakeholders to a client's business. Uh, investors, employees, informed public regulators, um, they all play a major part in a brand's ability to compete, in a brand's ability to perform, in a brand's ability to kind of succeed in the long term. What's interesting about trust is that it can be used to kind of assess um, the, the feelings um, and beliefs that any of those multi-stakeholder groups have about a brand and business. And it gives us a real kind of universal language for thinking about brand performance across a variety of domains. So when you look at trust versus, let's say, reputation, what's the difference between both of those? It's a great question. They're definitely related, but reputation, as we kind of have seen in a lot of the, the meta research that we've done on our data over time, is that reputation is really a, a much more focused on the current moment in time. Um, where do people believe a brand or business to be today? What do they think about that brand and business in this current moment? What's powerful about trust, especially from a brand perspective, a brand management perspective, a brand building perspective, is that it speaks to an anticipated future. It speaks to a forward-looking perspective that a consumer or a shareholder might have about a brand in business. And because of that, it tends to, again, this has been confirmed through a lot of powerful meta-analysis that Edelman has done in the 20 plus years that we've, we've studied trust, trust uh, you know, increases and decreases in trust tend to um, predict uh, decreases um, and increases in reputation, in sentiment, in business performance, um, and even in things like uh, the you know government's willingness to regulate an industry. Is trust part of reputation? You know, is it is it sort of a component of your reputation. And I get the distinction between sort of what you're delivering on now versus to the future, but your, your reputation is what's going to give permission for you to enter new markets, uh, enter new activities. And you, based upon your reputation, you would be trusted to deliver upon that because you have, let's say, the attributes associated with your brand or you have equities. So is trust a component of that reputation, or, or do you literally see them as separate sort of um, entities? I think they're absolutely related. Um, and I think, you know, the hierarchy of them is an interesting kind of, you know, debate in, to get into. I would say that reputations can be trusted and distrusted, right? In, in that it, it, it was certainly a key component um, of a reputation. What I think is really powerful in the trust measurement and trust metric is it gives us a kind of more uniform tool for talking about brands, um, right? Because I think when we talk about reputation, sometimes reputation can be so specified to a sector or industry, right? The, the, the reputation that one has might be around you know, a company like Ford, you know, reliability, dependability over time. Um, that's a really specific you know, kind of insight about that market, that sector, that segment of consumers. Um, what trust gives us is a little bit more of a macro philosophy. What I also think is incredibly important, it allows us to also think about 
institutions at large and culture and forces that drive trust and distrust um, within culture at large. So when I think when we look at reputation, we really are speaking about a, a you know, kind of an isolated um, form of measurement. We measure the reputation of our brand uh, versus the reputation of, of another brand. What trust gives us is a common language to compare those brands and then even to compare those brands across sectors, to compare sectors to non-governmental organizations um, and forces and culture at large. I think when I, you know, just since I'm in therapy here with you, you know, the thing that I struggled the most, and I had many, uh, some some of them were heated discussions within my former clients' um, circles, was I would always say, well, what do we want to be trusted for? Hmm. And there was never an, a, an, there was never a clear answer on that. And I'm, I'm curious, is that where the conversation starts? Is it, do you have to decide what you want to be trusted for, or do you have to sort of determine what you're distrusted for before you can move forward? So I think this is a phenomenal question, because I would say your example of your client, right, saying we want to be trusted is is similar to a client saying we want to be successful, right? We want to, to be growing. Um, it's a, It's an outcome, right, at the end of the day. And what they lacked in terms of their ability to brief you on this was a management framework or a measurement framework or a conceptual framework for how trust is created. And that I think is the key to the Edelman trust management, you know, kind of framework. We talk about five drivers of trust. So there's there's kind of a very obvious one in ability, which is functional trust. But then the, the framework goes a lot deeper and gets interesting where we talk about concepts like dependability, right? And, and your ability, the brand's ability to keep its promises, integrity, you know, whether or not a brand is honest, moral, and ethical, purpose, a brand's, you know, kind of uh, focus and effort on trying to have positive impact on society, and even right self being an important uh, dimension of trust. Is it is the brand a good fit with who I am, with who I you know who I want to be perceived as out in the world? I think lacking that kind of a framework, that that kind of tool for for analysis and breaking down the larger concept, it becomes very hard to answer the question of how you create the trust, which I always believe is a big part of our job as planners, right? To be able to build the bridge from where the client is today to where they want to be. So that suggests that the that the tool, the the uh, the, the the things, the factors that you just you just mentioned, integrity, et cetera. That those are those are the factors that you feel that trust should be measured against. So the answer to the question is that there's a that there's a sort of a prescribed set of things that you need to be trusted for, right? Absolutely. What we've seen is that those are the factors that ultimately drive a brand to be trusted, and those those are the factors that, when present. Um, ultimately mean that a brand has a great deal of trust. And then also the, you know, the, the same is true in the inverse. When those, when those five drivers, one of those five drivers is damaged in some way, um, whether that's through a crisis or right, just being surpassed by a competitor, that's also where we see that we see trust start to fall off. So you've come up in a number of creative shops and you're, you're at Edelman. Um, FCB doesn't, talk about trust as a sort of a key metric driver. Um, they might think more about brand strategy and creative strategy and probably the same. And yes, the same with DDB. Um, is trust strategy a proxy for brand strategy? What I would say is they're two sides of the same coin. Um, 
what I found very useful in my kind of growth and development as I've come into Edelman and really taken the, the kind of trust management framework on board as a, as a brand planner is it gives me a set of tools by which I can really understand how my brand needs to shape and, and, and change consumer perception. Just having the, the kind of assessment of a brand's trust, though, isn't going to answer right, the questions about how you, how you change that dynamic and how you impact that dynamic in a meaningful way. Those tools of right, cultural analysis, consumer analysis, um, and really right, the creative activation of those things are still absolutely essential in terms of driving change over time. Where trust, though, is incredibly impactful from a brand planning standpoint is it helps me understand where and how my brand needs to shift and change, and also where I might have credibility to push the brand and to change the brand. Brand strategy absolutely helps to drive and create trust um, over time and is really important in terms of understanding how a brand is going to live and behave in culture, how it's going to activate right, its strengths um, in its history in powerful, impactful, and creative ways. Um, but what is absent a lot of times in, in, in brand strategy, right, is, is a sense of what the finish line looks like or what we should be driving towards. Um, it becomes oftentimes a very subjective game, in my opinion. So is, is being trusted enough to be competitive? I mean, for example, I might trust you, but I still prefer to buy brand X. I think at the end of the day, if you there's there's a lot of relationship there between those and what we what we see there's a lot of relationship between consideration and trust right or preference and trust um or even loyalty and trust over time when a brand is trusted it is oftentimes preferred uh by a consumer um and if it has that consumer's trust within the category set, we typically see that it is preferred by a consumer, purchased more often by a consumer, and also a host of other activities that are incredibly important to clients. Right, willingness to share, uh, willingness to share data, willingness to stick with the brand um, even in a downturn or a reputational reputational challenge for the business. Um, at the end of the day, though, forces like pricing are still incredibly influential. And I would never want to suggest that those things don't matter. And it's just all about, um, you know, kind of being trusted within the world. However, when brands are trusted, they have the ability to command a price premium in the marketplace. Is trust only an issue when you're distrusted? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, do I need to build trust or is, does trust become an issue when I break it? So I think it's incredibly important and incredibly Pressing as an issue when when you've lost trust, you feel that as a business leader, you feel that as an employee of a company, you feel that as a consumer out in the world when a company loses trust in a very very sharp way, um, and that's where I think when we think about just as a as a single brand, it's, it is one of the most kind of um, salient ways that you see trust manifest itself. But it's also important and, and really impactful when we think about from a category standpoint, when brands are highly trusted within their category, it leads to right, a competitive advantage that manifests itself across right, the marketing funnel, uh, across the entire brand ecosystem. And so if a brand can really break away from its competitive set and really deliver a level or develop a level of trust with consumers that exceeds its competitors, it absolutely is a, a massive competitive advantage for them across domains. When we think about the the uh, the sort of where sort of brand strategy and 
trust strategy, how they sort of coexist. Is this a fair way to think about it, that the brand strategy sort of determines the basis upon which you will be evaluated and therefore trusted in terms of what you need to deliver? So so brand strategy is sort of laying out what the how the brand will be uh, marketed, what its messages and promises will be. Then trust strategy, and and that would literally sort of define the basis upon which you will be um, you'll be judged in the marketplace, and then that in in essence becomes what you will be trusted upon to deliver, and then so managing that reputation is in part managing what the brand itself determines it wants to be it wants its reputation to be built upon. Does that make sense at all, Tom? It absolutely makes sense. And I think it's really well stated. What we see is that when brands really kind of lean into certain equities, certain spaces, they grow trust in those dimensions over time. Um, and that becomes an inherent part of their trust profile. But what's also interesting from a brand planning perspective is having that, that information, right, gives you a hard and fast place to start. That data gives you a hard and fast place to start your brand planning process for, right? If I know consumers already see me as incredibly uh, capable brand with a lot of ability in our category, I want to make sure that that's part of the brand strategy that I bring forward to a client. If I know that a competitor is is really weak in a certain area, right? And I can drive tremendous competitive advantage. I might build my brand there over time and really try and improve my trust profile on that dimension over time to really enhance that competitive advantage over time. That's, I think, what I mean when I say I see them as really interrelated or two sides of, of the same coin. At the end of the day, brand strategy is about activation. It is about putting things in the world that consumers and and people can see, they can hear, they can feel, right? And they they grow, uh, you know, kind of a relationship with the brand over where trust strategy really can help us. And I think inform that brand strategy process is it can help us understand, right? Some of those competitive dimensions in the marketplace, how those reputational forces are at play um, among competitors. And really, I've often seen in some of the work that I've done with our clients, help you identify a really interesting white space where you can come and, and play a disruptive role. So, you know, one of the things that's really struck me, I don't know if you found it to be really interesting too, when it comes to trust, that um, that we um, have often wondered, does does trust really matter anymore? And I know that sounds ridiculous, so I'll give it some context. There are um, there are roughly half the population of this country who say that they don't like uh, what a political candidate is by by virtue of the person's behaviors or their actions. Um, they don't support um, the characteristics of that person. They it goes against everything they believe for themselves about themselves. But yet they still vote for that person. Has that struck you as just being bizarre behavior? Because it has for me, because I kind of go, so we don't really trust that guy. We don't really like that person, but yet it hasn't changed our behaviors. I think I think you're touching on something that's so fundamental in, in the world about trust, which is it, it is a concept that is relative. At the end of the day, right, when we're given a, a discrete choice, like a political candidate, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's typically the choice in this country of one party versus the other. 
Um, and while they might not trust an individual, they might trust the other individual even less. And that's, I think, what's so Im important about thinking about trust from just a competitive standpoint um, is really is really thinking through. Right? It's 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 about choices, um, and it's not just it's it's a relative decision. Oftentimes, it's not always just absolute. We're seeing trust as a factor in modern society and a modern institution. Um, we're seeing distrust becoming a huge factor in many ways that are potentially going to undermine our democracy in this country. And it's it's a fascinating thing to study to understand how that is happening because many of the times it's manufactured distrust rather than being actual uh, behaviors that should be untrustworthy. Right. And and so it's it's really fascinating to see how this issue of trust and and I and I would think for Edelman who has a much deeper understanding of all of this, I, I think we're at historic lows in terms of the level of trust in in society and in in politicians in in journalism etc. These sectors that are so fundamental to a functioning democracy that it it it, it really does beg the question how that's even fixable. Um, I've got to think you guys are thinking about those big picture things too. We're thinking about it all the time, and you're absolutely right. Trust levels are at historic lows across institutions. Today, business is the only institution globally that sits in a net positive trusted space, um, which is a very kind of scary place for, for us to be. And we see- Even we see oil and gas, they're, they're still in a net positive? No, no, sorry. Um, that's, that's business generally as, a, as an institution, oh, okay. um, not sectors. I'd have to check my notes on sectors, um, but we we look at business as an institution as a whole relative to government and NGOs. You're absolutely right, though. Trust levels are at historic lows across across the globe um, and across consumer groups, across institutions. But what's also very interesting is in that state of distrust, consumers' demand and desire for trust from companies, from politicians, is at all times highs. Right. This is something that is, I think, fundamental to kind of a, a, a positive human experience is living in a world, living in a culture, living in a space where you feel like you can trust um, right, the people, the forces and the organizations around you. Do you guys track the connection between stated attitudes and consumer behavior? For example, um, when somebody says, well, I um, when let's say a, a corporation um does something that um, creates some sort of a dramatic uh, or some sort of a sin. We'll, we'll label it as a sin. Something distrustful. There are there are many people who would say, "Oh my God, I I don't trust them now," but they still go ahead and they buy the product. Versus other people who sort of say, "I don't trust them now, and I'm not. I'm going to boycott them." For example, hmm. are there sort of characteristics that are different between those who are who take it more to heart? versus those who are sort of um, simply stating it, but not letting it affect their behaviors. Do you ever look at that as a segment? It's a really interesting um, thing. I, we'd have to be able to look at that from the perspective of consumers who start from the same place um, in terms of the levels of trust of a brand. Because if, if those two consumers are actually starting from different places and, and kind of both losing trust relative to that, to that kind of a uh, Let's call it start point uh, on on kind of their their emotional journey. They're going to have very different outcomes. Um, if one is moderately trusting and that they move to a state of distrust, you're going to see more significant negative outcomes there. Um, I'd also say, right, you know, there is there 
sometimes, right, you know, consumption for consumers is just necessity. You have to get to work, right? You have to buy gas. You might not always like it. Um, you might not always, you know, like what it does for the environment, but you don't have uh, a better option uh, available to you yet. Again, that's a place where I think this, this kind of discipline of trust is really, um, it's an incredibly powerful space to think about from the perspective of category disruption, innovation, um, and, and kind of market entrance. You see a lot of low trust or a lot of distrust either in a, in a segment or an industry. It's a great sign that there's a, that category or that segment or that industry is really ripe for disruption. Yeah, I, I remember a number of years back, um, uh, Ogilvy did the BP Beyond Petroleum repositioning uh, British Petroleum, and then they kind of reframed it as Beyond Petroleum. It was a massive rollout of a campaign that had an, an awful lot of uh, great intentions associated with it. And it did lift uh, various metrics, uh, reputational metrics over time. But unfortunately, then accident, um, accidents and and bad decisions sort of disjointed that. But I'm, I'm curious for you, um, uh, I admire that program a lot. And um, because I think it was a it was a category that is has a terrible has had historically a terrible reputation that was able to turn things around uh, versus let's say a Patagonia that is is from the beginning about a set of principles that is never broken. Um, are you do you have any campaign that you've seen since you've become involved in this that you're like this is a great example of trust as a metric and and, and um, at work. I'll, I'll kind of give you two examples, an, an Edelman one, and then and then one that's that's not Edelman. Um, wh- one of the campaigns that that uh, was kind of being worked on when I first joined the firm was a repositioning uh, for a client of ours, Ajinomoto, which is uh, one of the largest MSG providers in the world, um, doing a tremendous amount of work to really reposition um, how that uh, how that ingredient. Um, is perceived in culture at large and kind of a lot of really, frankly, the the kind of racist connotations that come along with food with MSG in it. Um, things, you know, brand doing things like petitioning to have Chinese restaurant syndrome removed um, from the dictionary because it's fundamentally a racist concept. I think that's a really kind of interesting example, again, you know, in a, a brand that really traditionally has lived in a B2B space, stepping out um, and, and kind of working in culture at large to try and rebuild trust and to drive trust um, with a with a with kind of a all of consumers right um, and really trying to reposition the entire industry um, that would be one that I think is really uh, interesting that brand then followed up with a great you know set of work around takeout uh, called takeout hate which was all about um, you know kind of actively encouraging consumers to order from um, you know Chinese and Asian restaurants at the beginning of the pandemic because there was a quite massive shift away from, frankly, a kind of little bit racially motivated shift away from um, a lot of a lot of consuming of Chinese brands and, and Chinese food in particular. That's one that I think is particularly interesting that, that Edelman has worked on that has, has really been a tremendous kind of shift in the in the perception of, of the brand and a repositioning of the brand and really an industry. At the in the industry at large, I, I'm a giant fan of the the work that Drogue has been doing um, with the New York Times, and I think right there you're you're hitting you know bang on of a brand that's sitting um, at the intersection of everything that we're talking about um, with with trust issues at large in culture, trust in information, trust in institutions, um, right? You know, trust in the news media, um, but also a brand that is trying to drive right its business and performance and, and its brand value over time. 
Yeah, I agree. That's brilliant work. And it's a great example of what you're talking about. I've noticed that Edelman is uh, is hiring an awful lot of, of people in strategy, people like you, and um, at, at all levels. Is 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 part of that the idea that that Edelman is beginning to sort of um, play in a new area of planning where it wasn't typically? Like, they bring a guy like you in. There's obviously... They want to be able to leverage your skill set, which is different than maybe their traditional skill set. Are they trying to get into more of the issue of brand planning and strategic planning in the way that you and I might think about it? Absolutely, but primarily because I think just the landscape is changing, right? I think those worlds of, of advertising and PR are, are less and less different every day, and those worlds, I think, are, are really converging. Um I think when companies are making decisions about, you know, the way that they behave, the programs that they run, their sustainability commitments and those kinds of things, it has to be thought through from the perspective of, of you know, at the end of the day, uh, a brand-centric decision, a decision that can be can be marketable, um, can be productive for them um, from a commercial standpoint. Um, and so we absolutely are are really you know, kind of seeing our workforce shift and change to meet the the kind of changing demands of of the industry and, and what you know clients are asking for. I'd also say on the other side, right? You see, you know, agencies more and more, um, you know, working working and applying their creativity outside of the paid media landscape, right? I think you know we, we see these you know massive dips in performance of paid media, consumers using ad blockers, right? Skipping, you know, unplugging the cord, um, those kinds of things. And so I think more and more those worlds are going to become at the end of the day the the same world um that we will see really you know kind of kind of less distinction between advertising um and pr as these these worlds that kind of sit um kind of in isolation from one another yeah i don't i don't think enough of us understand um the the degree to which public relations, public affairs are involved in sort of shaping our opinions of things because it's sort of the silent underpinning that's happening out there because we used to think that PR was just a press release. Right. Uh, but it is certainly not that and, and never was. And uh, I think that I'm thrilled to see that um, there's maybe a higher level of understanding and appreciation for what uh, from what PR does. And and even though agencies don't use the word PR, um, they're doing more PR than they actually realize. I mean, most social activity is in essence PR, and um, this sort of, as you said, this earned earned media bucket of activities is is that's in essence what that is, as is sponsorship, as is so many other things. So I, I'm thrilled to see it. I I, I think um, I think uh, I, I particularly think in this world, as you touched on before, I think in this sort of modern marketing world where everybody's talking about purpose brands. I think that brands are sort of teeing them up, uh, and maybe in certain situations they are sort of setting themselves up uh, to be criticized. So more and more they need to be sort of living those principles, and I think that's like a sweet spot for you guys is like being able to go in there because. Trust in those factors uh, becomes even more critical than I think the typical marketing world is used to dealing with. So uh, I, I applaud you guys for that. You may not agree with that, of course, but <laughs> that's that's what I'm thinking is like a huge business opportunity for for a brand that sort of uh, for an organization that trades on trust as a as a sort of a uh, an ultimate metric. I, I I absolutely agree with you. I think one of the things that's interesting for me as a brand planner and thinking about how the craft needs to just just kind of we have to think about reshaping and, and reapplying the craft is 
branding historically was a, was an externally driven exercise, right? You, it was it was about how you showed up in in fundamentally a paid media landscape historically, right? To consumers, it was it was kind of putting on your best face. Um, and I think what you need to do now as a, as a brand planner is is think about branding as an exercise that is both internal and external, because I think the divide between those worlds is really disappearing, right? We see this even just in terms of some of the work that we do around kind of employee engagement, employees' willingness to work for a company that the brand, right, that, that is represented by that company has to be ethical and moral, um, and purposeful for con- for for employees to to want to show up to work, for them to want to do their best, for them to want to really try and help make that business successful, um, and stay loyal to that to that employer over time. So as our as our uh, therapy session comes to a close, it is Tom Hare. He is uh, executive vice president, head of strategy for global accounts at Edelman here in Chicago. Tom, thank you, man. Appreciate your time thank today. You so much. Appreciate it. And we'll see everyone on the next episode.